I want to start today by asking you to think about two practices. One is the practice of celebration, and the other is the practice of fretting. Fretting is the practice of working our worries, turning them over and over within us, thinking that doing so will ease us, smooth something out like a rock in a tumbler. Celebration is the practice of asking our worries to wait. Not forever, perhaps, but for some set time because right now we are going to play, to laugh, to connect, to party. Fretting is a practice that invites us to believe I can ensure a positive outcome or protect myself from a negative outcome by getting this right. Right decision, right behavior, right words. If I fret enough, that will lead me to know what to do to get it right. It's not that God is not with us as we fret. God is always with us. But fretting certainly does not lead us to God. In fact, at times, we could make an idol of our worrying. Turning to ourselves, believing that we are really the ones who protect and provide for ourselves. Celebration is a practice that invites us to believe I can relish goodness, even if not goodness is also true. God can be trusted to care for the world and me and the things that worry me. And so I can take this time to celebrate good things. As James Bryan Smith reminds us, the kingdom is not in trouble and neither am I. And because that is true, we can celebrate and find God with us. Now, the thing about fretting is that it can feel so necessary. If I stop, then what? A friend of mine recently shared how she senses in herself something related to all of this. And I wonder if you identify with her as she said, I somehow learned it was my responsibility to worry. It's how I care for others. So if I stop, I sort of expect God to bring challenge or hardship to me, sort of a message of how dare you. In this sort of view, If worry is care, then ceasing to worry is somehow selfish or arrogant. In a similar way, Brene Brown talks about foreboding joy. Foreboding is a sense of something being predictive. So foreboding joy would mean that the feeling of joy, rather than being something to be received, is a clue that we should be on guard. We think that it means that discouragement, setback, or loss is looming. She notes that, quote, joy is the most vulnerable emotion we experience. And if we cannot tolerate joy, what you do is you start to dress rehearse tragedy. And then she says this line, what we do in moments of joyfulness is we try to beat vulnerability to the punch. What we do in moments of joyfulness is we try to beat vulnerability to the punch. What might all of this mean for us as we grow in trusting God? I think foreboding joy captures a lie we might fall into, that God sees our joy as arrogant, self-reliant, inappropriately self-assured, or selfishly uncaring for the needs that we should be worrying about on others' behalves. And therefore, God will take our joy away to teach us a lesson. But the truth is God is with us. And God is a joy-giving God. 
The first words to shape what Jesus' birth means come from an angel to shepherds who says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So practicing joy connects us to truth. And practicing joy deepens our trust. It connects us to truth and it deepens our trust. Because when we celebrate, we live out the truth that our good God is a joy giver. And that joy is a marker of the kingdom of God on earth. In the Gospel of John, the first recorded miracle is Jesus' turning of water into wine at the wedding of Cana. A miracle of abundance to show that the authority Jesus would demonstrate, God's power within him, and the kingdom that Jesus would represent was one marked by abundance, celebration, and joy. So when we celebrate, we practice experiencing the vulnerability of joy. And in a way, we are being vulnerable with God, saying, I'm practicing trusting you to care for me in this real world. And I'm practicing letting go of trusting myself. I'd love for us to consider the practices of fretting and celebration as we explore today's section of the Christmas story. This is from Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly there appeared with the angel a great multitude of angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby, lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And so I want us to imagine these shepherds in particular. And what this story feels like if you're well-practiced in fretting. Imagine there is an Eeyore shepherd in the ranks, if you will. That this story we just heard is happening around them. And he responds something like, Well, probably got damage to my vision from the blinding light of the angels. If it was an angel, might just be seeing things. I suppose we can head to Bethlehem. Even if we find the baby, it might not really matter, but at least we'll get some exercise. Welp, there's the baby. Hope he lives given the infant mortality rate here in the Near East. Yup, saw some angels, found the baby. Probably just gonna be a weird story though. Not a promised rescuer. 
who's to really say? But the angels say this news is joy. The shepherds rush to the city. And when they find Jesus, they let themselves experience the vulnerability of joy. They let celebration lead them out. Celebration is a practice of truth and trust. The truth, here God is. The trust, God's work is enough for us. God's presence is enough for us. It's not that God is far and so I have to control my fate through hard work, perfect decisions, crystals, and sage foreboding joy. Instead, it's that God is near. Ben Patterson was the campus pastor when I was a college student, and he would remind us often that joy is what we feel when we are grateful for the grace given us. Jesus is grace embodied. And so with the shepherds, we find Jesus, experience grace, feel gratitude, and let it well up in joy. And then we celebrate embracing the vulnerability of that joy and the trust it invites us into. What is true is joy, so we celebrate. We can trust God's presence, so we celebrate. As a benediction for us at this time, I return to the words of James Bryan Smith, which we say relatively regularly as a community. You are one in whom Christ dwells and delights. You live in the strong, unshakable kingdom of God. The kingdom is not in trouble and neither are you. There are two great responses that can help equip us to practice celebration. The first is, of course, to celebrate. And when we were together live, we carried a bit of whimsy into our virtual brunch time as we played a bit of a Christmas game. For you, perhaps, that means looking at these next few weeks of Christmas ahead and thinking about something that would mark celebration for you, and then really leaning in as that experience comes. A second way we can respond is to enter into this story again with holy imagination. I'd like to invite you to imagine that you are one of these shepherds as well. And imagine how this story feels if you are among this group. Picture yourself on a hillside in Israel. The night is cool, but not too cold. The air is dry. The sheep are around you and there's a faint smell of their wool and hay that always kind of lingers. There are more stars than you could possibly imagine above you. And you're watching over your flocks at night. As you listen to this passage again, stay in a place of imagination. Invite your mind to enter the story and consider what you would feel and think and wonder as this happened. I'm going to read the passage two times with some silence in between. And I simply invite you to notice the emotions that come up as you imagine yourself in this story. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great host of angels appeared, 
praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen them, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned to the fields, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. They were just as the angel had told them. What do you feel as you imagine yourself a shepherd? Is there anywhere you notice a lingering desire to fret? A sense of foreboding joy? As you notice that, simply breathe in and out again. A small embodied action that you trust the God who put their own breath into your lungs. Picture yourself a shepherd again on the hillside. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you all. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned to the fields, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. Lord, may your story lead us to joy. The story that we read and listen to and look back upon this Christmas and the story you are writing in our lives, in our faith communities, in our families, in this world. May joy invite us to connect with what is true. You are God with us. May joy invite us to trust. You are enough. In Jesus' name, amen.